0: Well, yeah, and that that myopicness is really the reason why a lot of folks have a hard time investing in getting governance and and processes set up correctly, because um, most folks understand the value and they want to get to that point. But when it comes down to, well, are we going to take time this week to start documenting some of our standards or going through old tags, then nope, nope, nope. (laughs)
1: Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely, to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Naran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others.
2: What's our topic today so
1: as we get into the new year you know everyone coming in with new new year's resolutions you know starting back in the new year what are some areas that we could talk about that you know um, go along the same way there so really wanted to focus on TMSs today and since they've been introduced um, they've greatly improved the flexibility and responsiveness of implementations in recent years, and that that could be analytics implementations, marketing tag implementations. You know, it, it they're, they're now you're now able to. Um, yes, Jen, we are recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually re- recorded the whole rant there, um, which right. I'm going to I'm going to kind of cut up and, and and have a fun little intro with that.
0: All right, but all
1: right. Um, but no, what I was saying was is um, you know with this greater flexibility and responsiveness there comes great you know, responsibility and really because i don't want this episode to I, focus. I love the,
0: the tweak on with with uh great power and with responsiveness comes great responsibility that's, that's nice. <laughs>
1: yes um and really i don't want to focus on the positives you know that's not what this uh, episode is about the positives of a tms
0: we're going to be with- negative <gasps>
1: No, no. In in all seriousness, (laughs) yes. Or how do you prevent the negatives? Because in this episode, I want to focus on the need to have proper governance in place to prevent issues with your TMS. So, and and we've had this conversation with many a client about the need for governance. And oftentimes it's seen as an extra step, a superfluous step, you know, just something to say, oh yeah, yeah, we did it. But you know, most skip over it. So there, there's a few areas we can go into, but, you know, where I wanted to start off the conversation is, is, you know, what are the problems? What are the issues that can arise if you don't properly manage and maintain your TMS?
0: Oh, my. Yeah, I uh, I can go on for some time on this topic for sure. Um so when folks talk about governance, there's a, with TMS, there's a few things that they could be talking about. One of the biggest things is is tag governance of you know third-party pixels and things like that. So that's you know maintaining maybe the the list of current tags and who owns them and uh, maybe when they expire and things like that. Um, that a lot of folks. I mean, if, most folks didn't do that from the beginning. So we're just now getting to the point, I think, that a lot of people are realizing that they maybe should have done it from the beginning. You know, we were all learning. It's it's fair. Um, and having to go through and figure out, well, we have no idea where this t- tag came from. It's been there since 2016. Uh, if we just delete it, will someone complain? Who do we talk to? Like All of that type of stuff is definitely biting a lot of people in the butt. And it's, it's a really painful process to go backwards and try to get all of that stuff documented rather than, you know, from the beginning, have this tag belongs to this JIRA ticket and uh, we don't need it after this date and so forth. Um, so to me, that's, that's a lot of what folks talk about when they, they mean governance. But then there's also just the uh, publishing flow, you know, what's your process for publishing and let's always stick to it. There's following best practices or some sort of standard to keep things consistent, um, and that could be everything from here's the way that we name our rules, or um, you know, don't create a new rule if one already exists with the same condition or scope, or uh, don't create third-party tags as sequential HTML unless you really need it to be that for some reason, um, and. Yeah. And then, I mean, all the way up to analytics governance of keeping a clean variable map that's centrally located and all of that. And having someone own that solution and be the uh, kind of um, gatekeeper of, you know, hey, I need new EVAR to track clicks on this thing. And, um, you know, gatekeeper says, oh, well, we already have another way that we're doing that. Or what's the valuable data that you're going to get out of tracking it that way? So and sorry, I'm, I'm getting over being sick. So my voice is shot. Um, So yeah, governance is a really big topic and there are so many ways that it can bite you if you don't have governance in place. So is there a, I mean, you were saying TMS governance, governance specifically, but um, what did you have in mind, Jim?
1: Yeah. So I think you hit a couple there that um, I think I'd like to dig into right off the bat. Um, the first one is just people going in and adding rules, um, or, you know, rules or conditions depending upon how your TMS is structured. And then, um, just taking the code sample from a marketing vendor. So if it's sequential HTML, what, you know, with those two in particular, because those are two common things that I see, what, what what problems have you seen with just those two scenarios in particular, people just going in and, adding rules and conditions ad hoc without checking what else has been there and then the, the sequential HTML.
0: Well, those two things combined um, a couple of years ago, about the time I was leaving Adobe, I think, um, that was a really big issue for a few really big Adobe clients that DTM was slowing down their site. And um, you know, there's the knee jerk like, oh, come on DTM or tag management always gets blamed for any site problem. Um, so let's let's prove our innocence. And in trying to prove the innocence, we actually proved um, the guilt that, oh, yeah, DTM is definitely slowing down the site. Um, and you got to remember any tag management system, it, it's a JavaScript library. It is inherently going to add weight to your site. The only way to offset that weight is to move things to asynchronous and you know, to now have this place where you can govern your tags and, and all of that. Um, So, there were a few major clients that we, uh, I basically took their DTM implementation and redid, like, created my own property of it and copied everything over, but then collapsed conditions. So, you know, you don't have one rule that's purchase confirmation Facebook and another one that's purchase confirmation double click. You just have one purchase confirmation rule and then um, moved everything to asynchronous JavaScript. And we saw a uh, like a 15% decline in page speed or page load times with just that change um, on on all of their tags and rules and I've seen it even go higher than that like we're talking like 20 30 um, uh, percent uh, decline and and mind you uh, when we're talking about page speed where you're and we're not always talking about the same thing of well, was that you know DOM loaded or, or whatever because async is still going to contribute to that, but um, a decline in in how long it took before the user could interact with a page. So yeah, that's that's one big thing is just page performance. It it does have a really big impact. Um, but the maintenance and stuff too. It it definitely can make it very. Difficult to manage if you haven't followed standards and you have a bunch of rules all doing the same thing and uh, you don't know who owns what and so forth.
2: So I want to I want to take a slightly different view of it and look at it from an organizational challenge perspective because I think there are many different uh, components that that come into to play here and one of the things that I've seen is that. Uh it's it's also important at the the organizational level in that you can have amazingly talented people that are very detail oriented uh and can build plans to make sure that not only are we we looking at things from a holistic perspective, Jim. I think um you were the one that brought up, you know, building things in isolation. We see that all the time. Um you know, you build you build one thing to address a certain requirement, and it breaks three other things because we didn't think of the whole. Um, but you can have people that do all of that stuff and and kind of can think big picture and think about maintenance and building scalability. But at an organizational level, if that isn't something that you not only promote, but is something that is a critical part of your business measures, then it's it makes anyone's job really, really difficult to to do that. And we we see that in, in lots of organizations where organizations are driven by metrics like how many new things did we launch? How quickly did we launch this new thing? And, and so that becomes the measure and and um, both the carrot and the whip to kind of move towards that as what we're going to to focus on. And I think while it's important to do that, I think it's just as important, if not more important uh, to sh- highlight the value of of maintenance and that that maintenance and following um, a, a structure can be something that is um, not only beneficial but something that can be really enjoyable um, one of my one of my favorite authors is is Robert Persig and uh, I stopped counting I think at six the number of times I've read Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Um, but there's a, a quote in there where he's talking. That,
0: that is such a Jason
2: book. <laughs> so
0: incredibly Jason.
2: There's a, there's a quote in there where he's kind of talking about climbing mountains and, and Zen at the top of the mountain. And, and he said, um, and this is the quote from the book, he said, to live only for some future goal is shallow. It's the sides of the mountain which sustain life, not the top. Here is where things grow, and it took me so long to appreciate what he was was saying there. Um, but the way that I took it is that you know, if your goal is to just launch this new feature, if your goal is to you know launch the site redesign, that that's shallow. It's all of the process and and the and the the work getting to that point, and then after that, it's the maintenance of what you put out there. That's really where where life happens. It's not at the top. It's not at that milestone where you launch it. It's all of the effort that is, is getting up to the top on the sides of the mountains. And I've recently started kind of experiencing that with, with my Jeep, where I started doing most of the maintenance, changing my own oil and tires and all of that. And I found that I'm enjoying maybe even more than taking it out on the dirt trails, doing the maintenance. I'm finding that process of just maintaining it so enjoyable. And, and I think that's an important message that we need to talk to organizations about is that, you know, if all we're living for is that launch date, it, it's so incredibly shallow. It's all of these things we're doing to get there. And it's all of the things we're doing to get back down from the summit. That's what truly matters. That's where the life of, of our, our product and what we're creating really exists. And so I think it's, it's, it's this operational piece of making sure we're defining frameworks and governance models. And it's also an organizational piece where we're, um, we're, we're setting that precedent within the organization that this stuff is not only important, it's, it's vitally critical to what we're trying to do as a, as a company. Well, yeah. And that, um,
0: that, myopicness is really the reason why a lot of folks have a hard time investing in getting governance and and processes set up correctly, because um, it, most folks understand the value and they want to get to that point. But when it comes down to, well, are we going to take time this week to start documenting some of our standards or going through old tags, then nope, 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 we have a, uh, a new release that has to, to go out right now kind of thing. So no, that that's absolutely, uh, I think, one of the, the big problems that keeps people from investing in it. Um, and I would never really thought about it because that's, that's one of my favorite quotes or concepts is uh, happiness is a destination or it isn't the destination, it's the journey. <laughs> um, and you're right. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be happiness, but effectiveness value in your implementation isn't necessarily the end point it's the how you get there um yeah
2: yeah and i think that's that's something that a few people are drawn to i think jen you and i have worked with a couple people in the past that that's just their personality and they're very detail oriented they take pride and and they get a lot of um just pleasure out of that that process but most people aren't like that you know most people are um get it, get a new Christmas present, rip it off. Oh, it's some, a cool Lego project. I'm not even going to read the instructions. I'm just going to rip in and start, you know, most people aren't like that. I think a lot about Adam Savage, who is very much that detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Maybe we even talked about him on a previous podcast, but I love watching his long form content, um, on his, on his new channel tested, um, mm-hmm. because he goes through the this thought process of, you know, 30 minutes of the, the program is not him even building anything. It's laying out the tools in a specific order and talking about why that is important and then laying out all the pieces and prepping the equipment he's going to use in a specific way. And like he gets so much joy out of the process of just preparing to do the thing that it becomes actually the meat of, of what he talks about. And I find it so fascinating. Um, but, but I think those type of people are, are few and far between. Most of us just like to kind of rip off the, the packaging and get into the Project and so, not only is it important for organizations to um, make sure that this is an important part of business, but they they I think also need to provide training. You know, we see this as a as a gap in so many places. You you hire smart people, they do a great job, and then you promote them and you expect them just to be great managers. It doesn't work that way. You know, you hire yeah. you hire great people and you expect them to be able to be very maintenance driven and and really detail oriented and it just doesn't happen that way. You have to provide people training and learning opportunities. And I think it's a big missed opportunity that, that companies are, are not taking advantage of. And especially in this case, if we were able to take a step back, it seems so logical. We see so much lost opportunity. We see so much lost productivity, lost revenue, because there's not a proper maintenance model because we haven't adhered to even the simplest governance uh, frameworks. It, it seems so simple, but when you when you get on the ground, it's so hard to accept because, you know, to your point, we always have to be getting to a destination and we can't slow down, you know, to, to talk about how do we, you know, get there in an efficient way. And not only that, it's going to make all the future trips we, we make even that much more efficient. It's not, we just want to get and hit the ground running. Um, it's one of the things that I'm on very few client projects and I kind of miss it. I was uh, putting together a solution design yesterday and I think I commented to Hila. I'm like, or maybe it was you, Jim. Um, I'm like, I miss this. This is really fun. Um, But in those projects, each and every one of them, I constantly and I'm kind of giving that message back to our our clients is that, you know, we have to avoid the trap of just jumping in and building things because I want to do that too. You know, anytime the business comes down with a new requirement, my first inkling is, okay, I want to open up DTM or jump into launch, or we have a couple of clients on other TMS. I want to get into Telium and start building some templates, but it's, it's such the wrong approach, right? It's so much better to just slow down and think about things. and, And sometimes that means we have to slow way, way down because most organizations don't even have a basic governance model. You know, most organizations don't even have a basic model for how we're going to put these things in place. And so um, it's, it's tough to do, but I think it really, I I don't know. There's one of two ways this can go. You can have a really, really strong personality running your analytics organization. That's going to say, this is how it is and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, And in, in light of that, um, if, well, if we don't have that, I think it, it really rests on management. You need someone that is a strong executive stakeholder to step in and say, this is important for us to do it this way. Um, and one of those two things has to happen. Otherwise, I think that the the natural thing to do is just we just want to jump in and build. We don't even have time to think about governance. Yeah, it's important, Jim, but you know what? I got to get this launched by you know March 1st or my job's on the line. Well,
0: and I think in a lot of cases, folks are... Are daunted by the current mess that they have and what it would take to to get it governed, um, so they don't start at least governing governing what they're working on now and will be in the future. So, I, I think if there's there's any advice I would give, it's not, uh, yes, yeah, stop everything and, and invest in getting a proper you know governance set up and and retroactively applying it. Um, well, yes, that's great if you can do that, but at bare minimum, start now with saying okay well in the past we've done tags all sorts of different ways but from here on out we're going to start following this process um, and yeah then you can maybe clean up the old mess as you're able but it's less daunting than you know so in some cases it's it's essentially starting over from scratch um, to, to audit everything you've got rearrange it govern it and all of that um, so you know start start with what you can control now um, and hopefully clean up the the backwards mess or maybe it'll slowly grandfather its way out uh
2: so as you're so what to. are some of those recommendations you would have jen so if i'm a say an implementation manager or i'm being tasked with deploying marketing technologies through a tag management system what are the two to three things that i should have some control over um, and that I should start there and start at least using that maybe as an example of what we want to do more broadly within the organization.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, at bare minimum, I'd say all of your tags going forward should be asynchronous JavaScript, unless they have some clear reason, like you know they they modify the DOM or something. Um, everything going forward be asynchronous JavaScript and then all of your old stuff that sequential HTML or whatever you've got, you can slowly start changing that over as you're able, but at least you can say going forward, we're we're gonna start doing this and and that'll make the eventual cleanup so much easier. and then the other thing is just start keeping a list. Again, it's daunting to look at your, you know, a hundred tags or whatever and say, well, we don't know who wanted it and when it expires and who the vendor is even and blah, blah, blah. So if you don't have time for that, at least start now with, okay, we got a tag request. I'm going to start keeping a Google sheet or whatever it is. That's going to say this person requested this tag on this date. Um, And uh, that'll make the eventual cleanup and all of that so much easier if you just start and don't wait until some big investment of time in a governance uh, initiative.
2: Jim, what are your thoughts? I know you've kind of been working on on this very topic with with a few of uh, our key key clients, what are what are you learning? What are what are some things that that you would recommend um, for those that are are owning the tag management solution at at their companies to if they're not already doing that they should start doing to help put some more structure uh, in place?
1: Yeah, I think Jen mentioned it early on. We we, we started talking about it a bit. <clears throat> the the first thing I, I recommend when I come in, and i found this multiple times, is when there's multiple people in there, they go when they need to to configure something, whether it's logic for a roller or condition, a data element, or or whatever, they just go in and create fresh. They they, they go in, they create what they need, and then deploy it. So what happens with that situation is is six to twelve months goes by and you have four different conditions for your product detail page. You have three different rules for your cart page or your registration page. And nobody knows like which one is the most accurate. You know, that they, they may all be right, but which one is the 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 standard or the the most correct one? So what I recommend, and it it it's not it's not an overly burdensome process but makes a huge difference is just the the education for all of the users that they shouldn't just go in and create something go in with the assumption the chances are what you need already exists and confirm if there is something that exists it also meets your needs so you don't end up with four versions of the same data element And what happens is, is because the problem with that situation, that's one of the first things you want to resolve is, to Jen's point, you know, each additional piece of of logic, each additional condition, it adds to the weight that the TMS library adds to the page. But then it also just makes the system itself, the interface itself, harder and harder to manage. You just have, you know, more items to sift through. And again, uh, at some point, the question is going to come up, I'm seeing four of
2: these. Which one's the most active? Can can we drill into that a little bit more? Because I I agree, we we see that um a lot that the uh, default state is to create net new, um, and at at best it just creates a lot of extra overhead. At worst, it is causing a lot of conflict and is um, most likely introducing some data integrity problems uh, into your analytics data. So as a maybe not even as a owner of our tag management system, but someone that's being tasked with actually going in and building rules, uh, going in and um, configuring things to align with requests from the business. One of the things that I hear quite often is I understand that, but our sprint ends this Friday and this new feature is going out and we have to have tracking in, in place for it. What, what do yeah what can we say to that person to empower them with you know maybe they can't fix it overnight but you know what what can we empower them with to go back to either their boss who you know perhaps owns the tms or back to the business and say you know look this is if we don't do it this way here here is what we're we're doing we're introducing you know additional maintenance so it's going to be harder for us to turn a request around in the future i don't know what that is but but I, again, I hear this all the time that we're so compressed with time to get this out there that I hear what you're saying, Jim. I, I think it's important to kind of step back and say, what's already in place in our architecture and how can I fit into that rather than just trying to create an appendage and duct tape it to what's already there? But I simply don't have the time to do that.
0: Well, and unfortunately, I think because, uh, well, I don't know, folks like me who are often on the developer TMS end of things that like to get things done, you know, and, and uh, you know, for me, it's sometimes even a game if they say, Oh, we're going to need to Dom scrape. I know practically what a bad idea that is, but it's kind of a fun little game. Like I'm, I'm a Dom ninja. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it, it, you know, a becomes a little bit harder to it it goes against my nature to say, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, Even if I have very good reasons. but at bare minimum, let's say that you, you start saying, you know, we are only going to do publishes every Wednesday after a QA process. Um, any exceptions, and yes, we all know there will be exceptions. There will always be hot fixes. There will always be um, emergencies, whatever. But any exceptions have to go through this level of leadership. And maybe that level of leadership is always going to say, yeah, sure, that sounds like a worthy exception. Let's do it. But at least if you have some sort of rule like that, you'd hope that people are gonna start contemplating, well, is this really an uh-huh. emergency? Is it worth bothering so-and-so four levels up, that type of thing. But I think part of the problem uh, industry-wide is that folks uh, don't set aside enough time uh-huh. for analytics in their um, development process. So usually it's an afterthought, it's at the last moment. Um, you know, We didn't even have a stable build to test if our new DTM stuff works until three days ago and now it's going live. Um, I think one of the reasons that happens is because us analytics folks are also eager to get the data and also eager to show you know the value of including analytics that we will bend over and say, yes, uh, we will go ahead and get that set up in the two days that you have given us. And because of that, we're always tacked on to the end. So part of me says, maybe we need to start holding the data hostage and say, Hey, we have a process. You didn't follow it. We're not going to get the data yeah. until the next sprint.
2: Yeah. And I think it comes. Um, yeah. Just and, hard and, to do. And, but. and I think having strong leadership definitely helps in in that aspect. I, I want to tell a really quick story because we have a client that uh, I'm working with and I've been working with them for uh, over a year um, at this point. And the team uh, the technical team, the Martech implementation team, is fairly new to uh, to deploying analytics and and using a TMS, but they've come a long way. And this week, I was putting together a tracking spec for them, and there's a very compressed timeline to get it out. And I said, "Look, here's what I'm seeing today. You know, we've got gaps in your in the data layer." Um, so what we could do is i've identified these elements there's an h1 tag there's an href you know we can traverse that and get this level of data it is not recommended but i know you guys are under a time pressure to get this out um I got an email back and said, appreciate the thoughts, Jason. No, we're doing this the right way. So you know, please continue putting together your spec with the recommendation of extending the data layer first, and then we're going to consume the values to be able to address the request from the business. And if that means that this new feature goes out with limited tracking, um, at first, but a couple weeks later we get it out the right way, then that's, that's what we're going to do. Cause I'd much rather do this the, the right way. And I was so, man, I was so happy. I was doing a little happy down to my office. I'm like, <laughs>
0: that's, that's when you slow yeah, clap. From so your amazing to get to that yeah.
2: point. Right. But it took a lot of training and it took a lot of mistakes. And being able to look at those as opportunities to learn from them. And then ultimately it comes down to to leadership, you know, because without a strong leader on that MarTech team that had the willingness to step yep. up and say, I get it now. We're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it the right way. And I'm going to own that. It, it never happens. So anyway, I just wanted to inject that in because that was a time. And sorry, Jim, I know we're supposed to be on they, focused on the negative here, but that was a time when like it finally all came together and worked and I said, oh man, if only every, you know, every situation worked this way, it would be ideal.
1: Yeah. And, and I wanted to go back to, you know, something along those lines, Jason, to, to, you know, uh, to go along also with Jen's comment about holding the data hostage, you know, it it sounds quite radical and sometimes it's, it's a slow process that you have to to implement. It sounds like it's something that you you were finally able to accomplish. But to Jen's point, when she she was starting to wrap up, she was, do we hold the data hostage? And I'm like, well, maybe not that radical, but something along those lines. And I think it's two parts. There's two parts involved. It's one, building a relationship with your IT team so that they feel some kind of level of involvement with the TMS um, so then when you want to put some, uh, process in place, you're going to have their buy-in, but then I also think about, you know, m- you know, you have your, your technology team, they have their sprints, they follow their sprints. There's yes, there, there's hot fixes, um, and whatnot, but they follow a, a release schedule and the rest of the organization goes along with that. So it may take some time because the organization <clears throat> may look at the TMS as, a shortcut or something I can deploy today to get something out. But, um, you know, having that relationship with your IT team allows you to also put some level of a um, regular cadence for releases. And this is something I'd love to dig into in the future um, because then it puts the onus on the other teams to get you stuff in in time. You know, if, if you say, okay, we have a regular, release schedule on a wednesday we need stuff the you know um, a week and a half earlier so we have a week to build test and then queue up the release <clears throat> after a while they're going to start to learn that they can't give you something the monday before and say can you can we get this in this upcoming release um and i think yeah. it, it, it sometimes it's just something that, that, that takes some time to evolve there's well, one client where we're finally getting into the the the, the habit of having that regular cycle.
0: Well, and I take it a step further and say not just get in communication with the, the devs and, and IT folks, but get in communication with the product folks. And that's, for me, frequently the most frustrating communication breakdown in our industry is that analytics isn't talking to product enough or product product isn't involving analytics enough. So even before the devs get their wireframes and and requirements and all of that, ideally, as soon as the idea comes up of we're gonna change X feature on the site, um, the product team should be involving the analytics team and it's one of those things that again you have to take a little bit of of upfront time and investment to establish those relationships get everyone to understand the value get leadership on board establish a process enable everybody on the process Um, but once you do that then uh, the the downstream headaches and problems and stuff after that go away and okay so i've already said at bare minimum if you can't do a massive audit and overhaul right now Just say, at least going forward, we're going to only do async JavaScript tags or we're we're always going to keep a list of who requested the tag and when and so forth. One other thing that you can do is start keeping a running list of things that went wrong because process wasn't followed. Um, That's one thing that that our industry often doesn't have enough time to do like a postmortem on, you know, what, what failed when, but I think for most folks, if they were to start keeping that like, oh, Hey, we published something without fully testing it. And we broke the user experience. um, Or we ended up breaking revenue tracking for a few days, or we lost this third party tag for a little bit or whatever it is, start keeping a list of those so that a few months out, when you want to plead the case, like, look, this is important. It is impacting things you have clear examples of negative effects that have happened because you haven't taken the time to do it. Right. Um, cause a lot of the time you have to have numbers, you have to have some concrete evidence of how this is affecting the business before you'll get close yeah. to listen.
2: One of the, one of the cool things that we did when I worked on the client side is, um, we, we knew this was an issue. Um, We worked with all of the teams to educate them on the importance of analytics, and you start feeding the analytics back to those teams so that they have vested interest in it. But sometimes it takes just putting up a a roadblock in their process to make it happen, and so... What we did after we did all of that education, and we used the actual insights to showcase the value to them in their role. And I'm speaking specifically of product managers. um, We called them producers. uh, At at, when I was on the client side, was we, we used Jira, and as when producers wanted to add a new feature to the site, they would create a new story in Jira and detail everything out. Well, we went in and extended that screen. And put a radio button in place that was not pre-selected with any value. And it said, is there an analytics impact slash requirement? And they had to choose yes or no. And then if they chose yes, then it went down a different flow where they were forced to enter in at least high level what their plan was to integrate analytics into their request. And if they chose no, then there was another branch that they had to go down where they had to describe you know, why what they're doing isn't going to impact analytics or why it doesn't have an analytics need. And just by putting that roadblocker in place, it forced them at least for a minute to slow down and think through something that in the past was never part of their job description. So it's not that they were doing it um, out of spite or that they didn't want to do it. It's just, it was never part of their, their job flow before. And so it just was not natural for them to slow down and think about it. And just putting that physical barrier in their workflow, it caused them to slow down enough to say, you know what, I need to spend at least five minutes to think about it. And it made such a huge change in, in the way that we worked. And it wasn't perfect. I mean, there were still times where things would go out and wouldn't have the analytics that the CEO would want. But most, most of that was, was cleared up. And we were invited to the table a lot earlier in the process, because what would happen is they would select yes. And they say, I don't know, I need to pull Jason into a meeting so we can brainstorm, you know, what our plan is for analytics. So, you know, something simple like that can have a huge impact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And well, and I think one of the things you said there of it wasn't perfect. Um, Again, like if I'm harping on this too much, but don't wait until it's perfect. Don't wait until you have time or a chance to completely uh, perfect something. Um, Start doing what you can now. And if it's iterative, then so be it. You're still going to be better off than than you are right now, perhaps. Um, Yeah. I, I think that's, that's going to be my biggest takeaway for folks is please start doing something now, whatever you can do, start doing it now and don't wait until you hire an outside agency to come in and audit everything and do a major overhaul and all of that. Um, Cause while, Hey, that does pay the bills. Um, there's so much that, that you could start doing now. That's going to prevent headaches yeah. of, of your own. Um, and then you can hire the agency to come in and do cool things like, um, you know, get more value out of your data and up your conversion rate and stuff rather than, uh, setting up processes and, and all of that.
2: Um, Yeah. I think, I think that's a great point. And I think that's true of so many things that we do, uh, in this space is that we, we, we kind of have, again, going back to the, the quote, we, we kind of have the vision of the summit that we want to climb. Um, and you know, we know we want to get there and, we we constantly focus on that that mountaintop, and we forget that there's a lot of things that we have to do to get there. And so, just start. You know, don't expect perfection. Um, don't use that as a as an excuse not to have quality in what you do. Um, but just start small and let it start to build on its own. We've seen, you know, so many people struggle with trying to get to this big destination, and they don't know how to get there. And it's like just start. You know, you'll you'll find your way. You know, find a trusted guide that can help you get there. But but just start. Um, so you know i love i love that advice if i would were to wrap up with one piece of advice on top of that is going back to the the quote from zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance is um, find joy in the sides of the mountain in in what you do Um, you know whether you're a product manager whether you're an analyst whether you're you're tasked with deploying martech um, find joy in that process in and in the maintenance of those things it's you know, I know it it sounds mundane, but actually it can be so enjoyable and so fun and the fruits of your labor that you're able to create by creating, creating more sustainability and value in the business, um, is, is, is great when you're able to, to kind of reap that. So that would, that would be my advice on top of Jen's to, to kind of start and just let it build and enjoy the process.
1: So to, to start wrapping things up, um, what are and this is going to be very very specific or at least you know a bit more specific. What are like two or three things that you think are critical components to to a tag management or you know, tag management governance plan, a, a tag management maintenance strategy? Um, we, we've talked about a few things, but if you were to say out of everything, here are two or three things to to, to start working toward.
0: A publishing cadence. Um, of of saying, you know, we're we're not going to publish things willy-nilly just because tag management can, but rather we're going to have if it's sprints or whatever, or if you're just aligning your publishes with your developers' publishes and all of that. But uh, say like this: before anything gets published, it a gets another set of eyes on it. Um, and this can be hard because in some cases, like I am the only person in DTM for a lot of my clients. Um, and, you know, I had a mistake a, a few weeks ago where it was a very small JavaScript change and I didn't want to pester the developer to look over it before it, it went live. Um, and so I went ahead and published it and uh, it impacted the data negatively. It was a very small JavaScript error type of thing It's one of those like, you know, once every few years. I I have to have something like that, I guess, because I work so hard to avoid those problems and sometimes you get complacent. So have a process, even if your developers are amazing, um, (laughs) do not just publish willy-nilly without a QA process. Um, And then the other thing that I already said is, please, please put your tags as asynchronous JavaScript, please.
2: So mine would be to build on top of Jen's publish process would be architect. no longer accept that you should publish things without back being backed up by architecture. And again, this goes back to the, the default state is I want to jump in and just start building out rules in my tag management system. It's It's the wrong approach. We need to at least slow down long enough to map it out And map out how it fits within what's already in place. You know, we don't want to just be creating net new to create net new. And so as a publishing process, I would say add into it the fact that we need to proof this out through the architecture that probably should have some kind of a peer review. We're not just testing the code because we can test the code and the code can pass. But what we need to look at is, yes, but what is this doing to impact the larger picture? And a lot of times that's way easier to do if we've just taken a, a brief amount of time to put even the most basic architecture document in place to say, here's what we're doing, here's how we're addressing it, and here's the other things that it's touching within our ecosystem.
0: Yeah. Well, there was another case recently where um, we had been working with developers. We had been brought into the process nice and early. We knew exactly what was being published. We had the analytics all sorted out, and analytics had been ready and tested and QA'd by the time of publish. So hallelujah. But no one at any p- part of the process said, oh, how is this going to impact third-party tags? Um, so yeah, we, we had analytics capturing purchase confirmation for, uh, for this new flow and everything, but no one had really stopped to think about, oh, do we need to move third-party tags over and test all of those too? Um, so yeah, if, if it's even just a basic checklist that says, before you publish, does this impact? third-party tags does this publish and does this affect analytics um yeah it it can save you many headaches
1: definitely um and and jason to add on to yours um this is something very very granular but this will prove you know this is my ocd side showing um i'm a big fan of robust um naming conventions so this is your data elements, your rules, your conditions, your tags. Have a well-defined organized naming convention because that is one of the key things when it comes to managing it and knowing what something is, but then it also plays a key part in the the default mode, you know, preventing the default mode of just going in and creating net new. Because yeah. it makes it easier for people to find what they're potentially looking for um, and it forces people to go in and check to, to, to do that. So I think well, it's, it's that, one of those. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. As I was just
0: saying well, and that saying... that net new problem is, is so much more of a problem when things are already messy. Um, yes. If folks already feel like it's, it's a hot mess and they can't trust anything, then they will feel more likely to to set up something net new, which is also true of components within Adobe analytics of, um, you know, segment naming and things like that, that, If there's already 80 bounce rate calculated metrics, then I don't know which one of them to trust. I'll create a new one and now there's 81. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it also comes back to that, like even if you don't have time to start retroactively and cleaning everything up and and changing your naming conventions in DTM can be really hard because data elements, if you change the name of the data element, it doesn't necessarily change the name of everything that references it. So, it at at bare minimum, just say, this is going to be our process going forward. And then at some point, maybe when you move to launch or whatever the case may be, um, once you've been able to show people the value of governance and all of that, then you can retroactively clean things up.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, But I think that that naming convention, it's something tactical that you can do that has a very large impact on the overall strategy of everything that's built maps back to an architecture. And whenever something needs to be updated or added, you first check to see if there's already something in existence that corresponds to what you need. Agreed. Cool. So I think we, we, we've really... Um, We we, we've really exhausted um, this topic.
0: Oh man, Um, no, I could keep going for a long time, (laughs) but um, I I think you're right that we've we've covered. (laughs) um,
1: Yeah, and I mean there's so much more to it. Um, That's why I want to have some future episodes digging into specific things. Like I'd like to talk in more detail about you have regular release cycles and managing the approval queue, um, and, and why that's critical and how I see that as one of those little bad habits that don't seem to be a problem in the moment, but as time goes on as six months, as 12 months, 18 months pass, that becomes a, a very big problem to, to deal with. So we'll definitely have some more conversations around, you know, around this overall topic, but I thought this would be a good starting point. Um, so with that, um, Jen,
2: Jason, any any closing thoughts? No, I mean, I think we we hit on the big ones and, and agreed. Um, I think there's probably some things that we can take out of this and uh, put into blog form as as follow up. And there's probably some really good follow ups uh, for the podcast as as well. So I think I think that's good for me today.
0: Now the only other thing, and, and maybe it is another podcast, but I think frequently when things and analytics do break, usually because processes weren't followed. The blame almost always goes on analytics. And um, I think if you've at least made the case or you've you've painted a picture of what processes and stuff could be, it becomes much easier to look to say, no, look, the reason things broke down isn't because analytics didn't drop everything and publish things perfectly within a two-day period that you gave us. But rather, you know, we've told you that this is what it would take to get things to work reliably and that process wasn't followed. Um, and it becomes more than just a analytics didn't make a miracle happen, but rather we as a company, oh, maybe these processes matter. So be careful about. Uh, I don't want to say be defensive, but yeah, once once you have made the case for following processes and stuff, hold people to that, and and make sure they understand that if something breaks down, it's not um, it's not the Necessarily the fault of the team, or don't don't even focus on any particular who's at fault, but more of a we didn't follow the process and that's why it broke. Um, and then you'll get a lot more buy-in into governance, hopefully. There, that's my last bit. Now I'm good.
2: Yep, great advice and good way to wrap it up. So in that case, um,
1: you know we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up for now, and uh, we'll talk to everybody later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents Podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.